Hello, museum friends, and welcome back to the Museum Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Frank Bennett, museum CEO, consultant, and blogger at worldclassmuseum.com. And man, we are in a time of change. As I talk to museums around the country, really, there's only one topic right now. And that is how we are all going to deal with the challenges here in 2020, what's going on with COVID, how to bring in more revenue, move programs to digital formats and just new formats all the way around, how to change how we present exhibits, how to replace events with other fundraisers. It's ultimately about how to adapt to the current environment around us as we all deal with this. Remember what Charles Darwin said, it is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, it is the one that is most adaptable to change. And this is what we're all trying to do right now, is adapt to change. Today, I'm going to bring you a presentation I gave at an event about a month ago. The title of the presentation is Creating Life-Changing Digital Programs for Your Museum. It's a 15-minute presentation in which I talk about Regardless of the program, regardless if we're talking about education, exhibits, fundraising, how do you take your program digital and still have it resonate with your audience and bring the results that you want? Enjoy this presentation. If you'd like to see more content, go to my blog, worldclassmuseum.com. Otherwise, if you need to contact me, I'm at frank at worldclassmuseum.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have topic ideas, email me at that address as well. Otherwise, enjoy the content. I will talk to you folks next time. Um, now, our final presenter is Frank Bennett from the National Quilt Museum, who's going to talk about how to create an exhibition or an event that is a life-changing thing for the people who experience it. Go, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. The The irony of that is that uh, when we set this up between Martha and I two months ago, I was going to talk about a completely different topic, but in the nature of the world we're in and how fast things move, we kind of tabled it. I was going to talk about effective reopenings, which by the way, if you're interested in effective reopenings, go over to my blog, worldclassmuseum.com, click on the blog, and I wrote an article about it. But I've got about 15 minutes to do a little thing I usually do in about 30, so I'm about to go real fast. So what I'm hoping to do today is give you guys a little bit of a framework of things to discuss in the process of taking anything at all from in-person to online digitally. This could be a workshop, this could be lectures, this could be fundraisers, this could be exhibits. Whatever you're doing, go through this process to make sure that you make something that is successful and sustainable. I'm going to start with a story. I was talking to a museum in California, which has been a theme here recently where they put a youth workshop online, which is basically kids learning something online. They do it every two weeks or so. And they noticed that as time went on, the results diminished. And they asked a few people they knew why they were no longer involved that had been doing it in person a lot. And after doing so, they made one simple change. They asked all of the parents that when your kids finish up each project, can you please take a picture of the kid holding the project and put it on social media with our hashtag. And then they used all those pictures to promote this program 
which now has over 100 users each time they do it and continues to grow. I'll talk about why that is and what matters later, but right now I gotta spend some time talking about furniture. So a very well-known consultant named Bob Mostra, a few decades back, did some work with an organization that made homes for retirees. They specifically made homes that were after you moved from the family house that you raised your family in and you wanted to downsize to a house that was just the two of you, it was this type of new construction. And they built these based on amenities. They were focused on what amenities people in this age group would like, what would matter to them, what would they use, what would the rooms need to look like based on that lifestyle. But they weren't doing that well. And what they noticed as a company was that they weren't losing to other new construction companies. They were losing to people choosing not to move. So after a while, Bob Moster's company came in and they sat down and talked to about 40 people who had looked at one of these new construction homes and chosen not to buy. And the theme that kept coming up is they didn't know what to do with their furniture. And Bob didn't understand this because to him, it just looked like furniture that was not that valuable and easy to replace. So they didn't understand why furniture was the hitch that was causing this not to work. So then he finally got into a conversation with the woman who talked about all of the events, birthdays, Thanksgivings, Christmases that happened around her furniture. And then he figured out that they misunderstood their business. Their business is not new home construction. Their business is moving lives. What was happening was the furniture for each person represented their family and their memory. And that was their identity. That was their life. So when they were making a decision about getting rid of a dining room table, they were making a decision on getting rid of a place where memories occurred. The emotional tie was you're asking me to get rid of the furniture that is who I am. So what the company did is they redesigned these to be able to have a living room or a dining room space. They provided moving services. They told everyone that they would store their furniture for two years after they bought a unit. So they had as much time as they wanted to decide what to do with their furniture. And they did this for free. Point I'm going to bring up later is they actually increased the price of their units. And that did not matter. They started selling like crazy because they were specifically hitting the emotional need that mattered. And so at that point, the price didn't matter as much. I'm going to touch on that later or else I'll run out of time. The big point here is you have to focus on why people really participate in your programs. What are they really getting out of it? The mistake that's happening sometimes among all museums right now is that you take the functional in-person program and you move the functional program to digital. But what's getting lost is the actual reason people were participating in the program and why it mattered to them that was something that was part of their life. As we're going to discuss, any program someone participates in, they do so for a functional reason, an emotional reason, an aspirational reason, and a social goal. Sometimes not all four, but definitely at least two or three. Let's go back to the first story about the museum with the youth program. What was actually occurring is when they asked the parents to take the pictures of the kids and put the pictures on social media, two things were occurring. First of all, what the parent was getting out of that program was multifold. 
functionally, they had their kids participating in an art program, and that's great. Emotionally, by taking the picture and having that frame moment, which we're going to talk about a lot, which this is the moment in their head that is the emotional win, it made them feel like good parents. The picture of the kid with the actual piece made them feel emotionally like good parents. There was a social element too. Once they put it on social media to their group of friends, they were good parents. All three of those ingredients had to come over in order for the program to become successful digitally. I saw another, this wasn't my personal discussion, but there was another museum where they put an adult monthly workshop online. And they had similar to the youth program, a problem where people came the first time and then they had dwindling returns. What they figured out was people's functional need to learn new art was actually secondary. The primary reason they were participating in the in-person program was to see their friends. They wanted to see people who were living similar things, trying to learn similar things, and they had a camaraderie that they were all stumbling through learning these new skills. So what they did was they made it much more interactive. They created Facebook groups outside of the group so these folks could keep interacting and share their progress outside of the group. And they shared everyone's information so they could all interact and actually participating in the group, the actual session was secondary and their numbers went back up. I'm gonna share one more story and then get straight into what we need to implement because I got about seven minutes. I normally would do this with Chad, but we don't have time. The number one fast food restaurant right now in the United States by single store sales is Chick-fil-A by far. An average Chick-fil-A store does double the revenue of a McDonald's store, and they do it without being open on Sunday. About six years ago, I had an opportunity to be in a discussion with one of the strategists for Chick-fil-A. And we got into what they do and what matters to them. And he held up a picture up to the screen. And he said, what we do as a company is this. What was in the picture was a picture of a mother in the playland with their kid. She's happy and content. And the kid is playing. And then he said, chicken is a commodity. Anyone can sell chicken. What we sell is a safe and clean environment in which to take your kid to get a fast meal. What we found is first, parents need to find quick meals for their kids that won't take a long time. But more importantly, you're always worried on some of the other fast food restaurants. Is it gonna be dirty? Is it gonna be safe? Would I let my kid crawl around in here? Our goal is to create this picture, which is you feel that you are taking your kid to a clean, safe environment in which to get food. And that's what Chick-fil-A considers that they do. That picture is key because I'm gonna ask you guys in your brainstorming, taking in-person events to digital to have a team brainstorm in which you come up with elements as I'm gonna discuss, and then actually create a picture of that perfect moment that you're trying to create in your event. So let's break these down. There's four elements that are key that you wanna put into the planning. First is functional. Functional needs can be things like learning new art, but they also can be things Chick-fil-A would consider the safe and clean as a functional need. It creates an emotional response and a parent feeling like 
their kids are safe. That's the emotional response of that experience. But it starts with functional. And all four of these are like the Olympic ring. They interlude. Second is aspirational. Every time you see a school online promoting their programs, that is an aspirational need. What they're saying is, if you do this program, picture yourself, picture this picture again, as the person you'll be in the world after getting this education. There's a lot of aspirationals. I'm going to go through this real quickly. Hope is an aspiration, self-actualization, reaching your own potential, affiliation and belonging often is an aspiration, where if you do this thing, then you'll be connected to a lifestyle that is beyond where you are. And there's also motivational ones. In emotional, we did a couple examples there. The good mom example from the very first kid taking the class is the key. What you're creating is that moment that that person feels like they're a good mom. And in the furniture example, it's the opposite of that. The emotional moment is the connection you have to the furniture. You're not making the transaction because they're trying to make you get rid of the emotional moment. And that's the reason people do not participate. A good example of social was the social media I mentioned. And also, for those of you who remember the American Express ads from the 80s and 90s, that was a social need. People would put down that gold card and they'd sit back proud like this. That is a social need. So I'm going to give you four questions for everybody. If you miss all this, I'm going way too fast. Get with me and I'll get it to you. The first one is have that brainstorm when you're considering taking a program from in-person to digital. First, make a brainstorm of the elements, then actually draw a picture on a whiteboard together of that optimum moment you're trying to create. Second, ask yourself what keys to the in-person experience have to come over to digital. Keep in mind, you're not moving a program, you're moving an experience. The third one is, if a participant sent you a letter thanking you for how great your digital experience was, if they send you this letter, what would it say? What actually mattered to them and resonated with them? And the fourth one, if it helps, is to actually go out and ask some people who participate regularly in the in-person why they do it. There's two other big benefits to doing this exercise beyond just maximizing initially. First of all, when you get people connected by functional, emotional, social, and aspirational needs, they will not shop around. You're directly hitting their needs. And as I mentioned with the company, with the furniture example, they're willing to pay more because you're directly hitting their need. If you directly hit somebody's needs, they will not price shop. They're willing to pay more when you've directly addressed their need. The second one is they retain way longer because once you've hit all four specters of this, that's something they want to have repeat over and over again. You're going to retain these folks longer and you're not going to have to compete on price. You're going to be able to pay a price or charge a price that is absolutely relevant. Some of this came from an idea. One of my mentors was Clay Christensen. He used to do a concept called Jobs to be Done. I recommend a book in that that is called Competing Against Luck. In my one minute, and then I'll send this back, there's so many people in this that I work with already. The Quilt Museum is an organization where my entire team wants to work with everyone in quilting. We all believe that all boats rise together. My email address is fbennett at Quilt Museum. If I had a little more time, I was going to introduce the other folks on my team. I can do that another time. But we absolutely want to know all of you guys. We all do better off together, as Martha has said several times. 
And I actually made it. It's actually one minute till. Thank you so much, folks. I know that was fast. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Frank. That was fast. I'm hoping that we can get together again soon. In the meantime, stay cool, stay safe, and thank you all for coming today. Bye-bye. Thank you, Martha.